from Zamo Digital, welcome to the SaaS Marketing Superstars Podcast with your host, Aaron Sikowski. This is the show where we uncover proven growth strategies from CMOs and marketing leaders behind some of the fastest growing SaaS companies. Hey, superstars. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Aaron Zakowski, and today I'm chatting with Nate Corliss. Nate runs performance marketing for Census, a B2B SaaS platform that helps companies send data from their cloud storage to over 180 SaaS tools. LinkedIn recently recognized Nate for driving a 10x increase in sales pipeline from LinkedIn ads. Hey, Nate, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. I've been uh, seeing you on LinkedIn and seeing a lot of the great success you've been having and I uh, was kind of really looking forward to having you on the show today. Well, me too. And first off, Aaron, I need to thank you for your podcast. Uh, it's one of the best B2B uh, advertising and marketing resources out there. I've personally implemented a lot of the strategies you've talked about. Uh, and in particular, uh, LinkedIn ad strategies, uh, going way back to your conversation with uh, Gabriel from Remotion, mm-hmm. and uh, just basically uh, set the precedent for me to go all in on LinkedIn and drive some pretty big results for Census. Fantastic. Well, I think that's probably a good segue. First of all, I appreciate the compliment on, on the show. It's great, great to know that people are listening and, and getting value out of it. Certainly encourages me to, to keep going with great guests like you. Um, but mentioning the LinkedIn episode, um, you've been having some great success with LinkedIn. Uh, would love to learn a little bit more just, you know, about you in general and uh, your company you work with Census and what you've been doing with your marketing over there. Yeah, absolutely. So I've I've been in digital marketing for over 10 years. I've been at a variety of companies and I've intentionally shifted my career towards growth marketing, performance marketing. Of course, I've always been a data-driven marketer starting about 10 years ago where like places like Google Analytics and attribution and measurement tend to be my home base. Uh, I joined census a little over a year ago to head up performance marketing. And it's a pretty intriguing problem we're solving. Uh, There's a lot of data storage going on. Everybody's aware of the cloud. Uh, But what people aren't aware of, it's actually pretty difficult to get data out of cloud storage, like a data warehouse, uh, like Snowflake or Databricks or some of the Amazon services like Redshift. So what happens is these companies have data teams that have to write Uh, custom scripts or export data via CSVs. I'm sure everybody listening to this deals with a lot of CSVs in order to send data. So a lot of issues there in terms of management and consistency. So census fills that gap of the last mile of data and uh, sends it to all of these SaaS tools over 180. But like the most popular, of course, are like the major data destinations like CRMs, like Salesforce and HubSpot ads platforms. Uh, But that's where I come in. I think I came in to make sure that the world was aware of census, that people who are impacted by it by, uh, could use it. But we have a relatively narrow ICP of the people who get in there, know what to do with it, and are like ready to rock and roll with that data. So figuring that out uh, has been a big part of my strategy, uh, primarily through the power of LinkedIn ads. Right. So I'd imagine you've got a very specific technical problem. It solves a very important prob- problem for a relatively finite number of people, from kind of what I've gathered from what you just told us, right? Um, and probably a relatively high long-term uh, lifetime value of a customer or ACV over there, which probably makes LinkedIn the right choice. So tell us a little bit about how you've been u- using LinkedIn to find that that narrow but very specific and, and high value audience that you've been going after. Yeah. So first off, I fell into that classic situation. I think a lot of people listening to this will relate is that LinkedIn is has your audience. It has your B2B audience, but it is extremely expensive. And going back to your podcast on LinkedIn ads, uh, 
I listened to it and it essentially gave me the confidence to say, hey, there are avenues to get low cost yet high quality leads and contacts and traffic within the ICP, uh, inter, uh, ideal customer profile ICP. I'm going to use ICP a lot yeah. uh, that, that we're going, uh, that we're, uh, going after. So, uh, that particular podcast was the genesis of saying, Hey, we can figure out how to get low cost leads from LinkedIn. And you see that, you see that happening. You see people validating it on LinkedIn that it is possible, but behind that is you don't really know what industry they're going after, how big their audiences are, but, Pretty quickly after implementing a, a, a very classic LinkedIn funnel, we were able to validate that we can get low-cost leads and low-cost uh, demos that ultimately lead to a massive increase in pipeline. So say a, a, a classic LinkedIn funnel. Um, what, what does that mean to you when you say that? What's the type of funnel you guys have implemented? <laughs> okay, so I, I love the five-step funnel. So uh, unaware, problem-aware, solution-aware, uh, converting and interested. Uh, and then of course you have the the bottom of that as they become uh, product champions and users and, and all of that good stuff. So, so thinking of that, if the ICP is clearly defined and, and that's a huge part of this strategy is, is a lot of people like if a person is incentivized to go after low cost leads, you can get low cost leads, but they're not going to be very good quality. So at a bare minimum on LinkedIn, the leads you're generating should be fall within very narrow ICP parameters. Of course, if, if those parameters match up to the audience you're targeting. So having, having the ICP clearly defined, the product uh, benefit clearly defined, and then you can just start at the top of the funnel and introduce conceptual awareness to the problems you're solving and start to get those hand raisers and start to do that. That audience building towards that top of funnel, whether it's unaware or problem aware or solution aware as you get through the funnel. So we've had at that top of funnel portion, we've had a lot of success with like what we call thought leadership content, uh, blog content around uh, the problems that our product solves and driving very low cost clicks on that. Now, I have understand. one. Sorry to cut you off for one second, but so so top of funnel, you're not necessarily going for a lead gen strategy over there, right? It's more of an awareness play. So you're sending people to content. I'm guessing there might be some video ads mixed into that, but you're not necessarily running lead gen forms, it sounds like, or sending people straight to a landing page to try and capture that lead debt. Is that correct? Uh, that, that's exactly correct. Yeah, just introducing them to our brand and introducing them to some of the concepts that our, uh, our product solves. Okay. And... and Again, I don't know what your, your target cost per acquisition is or, or, or cost per, per sale, but, you know, LinkedIn isn't a cheap platform. You know, clicks generally run in the $10-ish range, give or take a little bit. You know, sending traffic just to warm up like that could be expensive, but you're finding that that's still a worthwhile strategy to, to send clicks and send traffic to a landing page so that you can, you know, educate people a little bit, you know, build, build some awareness and then retarget them. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And it's... We're going to start to get into a little bit of complexity here, so I'm not sure if I'm going to explain the the structure uh, completely well. But before I get into that, just one hack for those LinkedIn costs, that $10 CPC you're talking about. That's what I came into it expecting with LinkedIn ads. However, I'm able to get like around a dollar CPC. It's just been very outrageous. And this is the, the top of funnel audience is validated by the lead gen a level below that. So we're generating the right type of leads essentially serving to a very similar audience top of funnel. So we know that 
the right people are being served, our traffic and awareness, our engagement ads, because they're validated by what's going on in the middle of funnel. But the but the the hack that we discovered is that if you bid extremely high per click, the cost per click goes down. It's super counterintuitive. I came into this LinkedIn ads account where it was a very classic three dollar CPC. Like we were we were manually bidding three dollars or five dollar CPC and mm-hmm. getting six or seven ten dollar CPC. Okay. So this is very counterintuitive, and I don't know if this will continue to work, but we bid $30 or $40 per click, and it drives dollar clicks. Uh, So this might just be us. This might be our product. It goes Mm -hmm. back to having an amazing product. It goes back to having a great content team who's constantly making these very engaging informational blogs and educational content for that top of funnel audience. So. The ads aren't happening in a vacuum, but that extremely high bid uh, is working for us uh, in terms of driving low cost clicks. And if we were to bid a dollar, either we would have stymied performance or the CPC would go up. So it's very counterintuitive and uh, that's been working for us. Uh, I'd be very curious if that were people. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's really interesting. I, to be honest, I, I haven't had that experience, but I'm going to be interested to go and maybe try that out. I'm curious with, you know, with, with that strategy, with getting the, those lower cost clicks, are you using audience network? Are you using, um, you know, um, text ads, any of those types of things? Or are these just, you know, your typical ads coming down the, the LinkedIn newsfeed? Uh, primarily uh, sponsored content ads uh, okay. with a with a single image, occasionally occasionally carousels, uh, occasionally video. Uh, audience network, uh, we do, we do do audience network, but uh, typically that will be off, and I think most people tend to keep that off, and even LinkedIn recommends keeping those off as well. Yeah. However, you go to a website like Wall Street Journal. And you look at the ad network serving you the ads, LinkedIn ad network is in there. So their their audience network is on legit uh, resources where your ICP potentially will be. So I wouldn't leave audience network ads off the table. Uh, but yeah, they can they can uh, inf- inflate the traffic while lowering the quality of that traffic okay. for sure. So right, so right now you're sending relatively low cost traffic from LinkedIn to high value pieces of content. And you know that those are high quality clicks because you're seeing your retargeting is generating high quality leads. So, so, so please continue and tell us the rest of this, this strategy. Yeah. So both, both, uh, in terms of, uh, this is where it gets a little bit funky. So we are serving LinkedIn lead generation ads, top of funnel, mm-hmm. as well as middle of funnel remarketing. Uh, I don't really worry too much about exclusion audiences as we get down to like, uh, top of funnel, middle of funnel. So it is possible that like, some uh, remarketing audiences are just naturally being picked up for those top of funnel campaigns. But mm-hmm. because our ICP is so well defined, um, our audience size is, let's say, anywhere from 20,000 LinkedIn members to like 150,000 LinkedIn members. And we can just serve them a gated asset and get a lead without them even being warmed up on that those top of, tri- of funnel campaign. So it can be both like just a top of funnel play as well as a middle of funnel play where we've layered in remarketing to something like a case study or a webinar, just something a little more specific on our, uh, on our product uh, and, usage. And, and when you're promoting top of funnel, you know, content, like you said, a, a webinar or a case study, a white page or something like that, and you're capturing a lead, do you find that those leads are, are sales qualified? Does your sales team want to talk with those people? You're, you're taking no. a no already. For those no, this is, 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry, for shaking my head. It's you're you're spot on. Link, that's the downside of LinkedIn lead gen and LinkedIn ads is these are incredibly cold leads. So yeah. this is one tier uh, below a track like traffic or true top of funnel. Mm -hmm. um, the way I like to think about it is like let's say I'm going to anonymize this person in industry, but like serve served a LinkedIn lead gen tech executive in let's say France. And uh, you look at the time zone of the conversion and it's Friday evening, local time, 10 p.m. And this person, this tech executive, they converted on a piece of gated content. Yes. So you can imagine what what their mindset was at 10 p.m. Maybe they're getting in bed. Maybe they're out with friends and they have a moment where they're checking their phone and scrolling through LinkedIn and they converted. So mm -hmm. these types of conversions can be incredibly cold. <laughs> so incomes a very robust nurture team uh, strategy, a very close relationship with our sales team. As, as a part of my job, I listen to our all recordings via gong just to better understand what those conversations are like with the sales team. I intentionally cultivate relationships with our sales team. So they're not afraid to tell me, Hey, this is this person. I don't want to talk to this person. They're not qualified or they're too cold. They don't know who we are. Uh, so, so I think you just said some really important really things important. right there that, sorry to cut you off, but, but I really want to emphasize for everybody listening. Um, a, you said, you know, you've got a really close relationship with your sales team. Um, so that you're, you're passing data back and forth and you're learning from sales calls. I think that's really important for the marketing team and the sales team to work hand in hand. Otherwise marketing is just sending over a bunch of crappy leads that sales teams unhappy yes. with and, and everybody uh -huh. loses because you're not closing any deals. But the other thing you said that's also really important is, is having a really robust follow-up sequence and making sure you're nurturing those people really well. And, you know, I, I want you to go through kind of the, the rest of your, your process with ads, but, but understanding how you guys are taking these, you know, cold leads and nurture them to become, you know, warm and hot leads who ultimately want to become customers um, is a really important part that I, I think, honestly, from my experience, a lot of companies maybe break down at that point and would love to learn more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we we have a pretty amazing marketing team, just a lot of really talented seasoned marketers who are are owning these different processes. So we just had a we just had a marketing team offsite where we all met up and we did some like personality assessments and team assessments. And when we looked at it, what we identified is we have a team full of specialists. So I'm I'm the ads person, I'm the performance marketing person. We have a content person. A demand generation person, community people, social media people, and uh, uh, creative people, graphic design asset people. And what happens is, is by each having our own area of expertise, we we land with that classic growth marketing T where each person has the point of their T uh, where they're able to contribute. So this is a roundabout way of saying is that those nurture sequence sequences aren't an area of my expertise, right. but it's we're, we're using HubSpot as our CRM. And we're classing these based on the persona because the persona affects how they use our product. Mm -hmm. And then they have a nurture sequence that just goes anywhere from two or three, depending on the asset to a very long, like six, seven, uh, very long uh, nurture sequence. And then sometimes we just pop in an occasional one-off message to those people to see if it drives engagement or uh, it's, it could potentially be related to a webinar or a new product feature mm -hmm. that uh, that persona will will uh, benefit from in particular. And then so for, you're nurturing those people for, for quite a long period of time. So it's, it's more aggressive in the first week or two, but then probably goes off for months, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, months or typical sales cycle is, uh, I believe, uh, around 100 days. So um, and and uh, going back to your uh, podcast with uh, 
is it Stefan from Dream Data? He, yeah. he mentioned that dark funnel portion. So that's a sales cycle for us that starts after they come into our CRM. So before that, there's all that top of funnel activity, all the other activity that's happening before we see them in our CRM. Okay, great. Um, you want to jump back into the rest of your, your, your LinkedIn funnel? Or we got the gist of that? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. So, so, so through 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 uh, through middle of the funnel, through warm audiences. So so warm audiences, middle of funnel. Uh, we have this consistent effort to develop uh, high quality gated content that gets the person to become a lead, that gets them to uh, uh, come through. And I think, like as marketers, we can all think about this: like, like we don't want to do clickbait. We want to add value. We want to offer a resource to our users that also ties back into our product. So. Uh, it's just in like what we've done is we've offered really high quality, authentic content that really speaks to the different personas that benefit from our, from our product. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a relatively rapid iteration where any given month we might launch four or five different assets. And we're able to do that. Uh, we have a lot of blog articles. Those can be compiled into assets on a persona by persona basis they can be spun up using a platform like Canva into a PDF format, just very, just very right. easily, very low lit. And essentially what we're doing is testing the headline of that gated asset, whether it's an on-demand webinar or an ebook, and then figuring out what message is going to resonate with our uh, persona. And then after that, as we understand what particular message resonates with that persona, then it becomes a matter of iterating on those gated assets in order to make them more robust and make them add more value uh, to our users. Mm -hmm. And so that's essentially the the middle of funnel. And like right now we're aiming for, it really depends on the persona. There's the cost very wildly by persona and by seniority when you're doing LinkedIn ads, but we see anywhere from 50 to $150 cost per lead. So it's just, I for me and and what I've seen in my limited experience that those those lead generation costs are very good, but they're wasted if there's not nurture and if there's not a way to back that up and get those people engaged because those 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 middle of funnel folks are pretty like low warmth in terms of being willing to talk so, to our sales team. So, so you're getting, you know, leads, but these are content download leads, you know, gated yeah. content coming at a fifty to $150, depending on seniority. Um, mm -hmm. relatively low intent, relatively lukewarm, I guess, buying intent yeah. from what you're describing, but you're going yeah. very heavy on, on the nurture and sounds like whatever the other team is doing in the nurture and, and sales enablement is, is succeeding because they're converting. And from what I understand, you've been able to tech 10 X pipeline. Yeah. And I assume by pipeline, you're talking about people are really coming through as opportunities and not just these, uh, content downloaders. Yes, that's that's spot on. So pipeline yeah. equals an opportunity that's had a value assigned to it or a potential annual okay. value. And um, another important thing you said is is the segmentation. Can we talk a minute or two about the, the type of segmentation that you're doing within your campaign? So it sounds like there might be some seniority or job titles in there. Like, how, how are you doing segmentation within your campaigns? Yeah, well, um, I, th I think... A, a lot of it is dictated by our our sales team, uh, just and and the structure of the accounts that they work with based on size, like enterprise, commercial, SMB, okay. and how many resources we want to devote to that. So there's a lot of size segmentation, uh, and and over on the sales department, I can't really speak to this, but they do do some segmentation based on industry because there are different use cases for our product with with advertising and and marketing. 
and some of the technical uh, personas we're targeting doing like uh, like targeting a very technical person in a very niche industry makes a very small audience size. So mm-hmm. those small audience sizes don't work very well on LinkedIn, largely due to volume issues and then cost issues. So for me, I try and have the uh, as big of audiences as possible while being conscientious of uh, the sales team structure as well. Uh, this the seniority the seniority label uh, layer is on there as well, but also largely like geography and and company size uh, yeah. as well. And are you continuing to segment down to your your middle of funnel level and retargeting, or is, or is this type of segmentation reserved only for top of funnel? So the the segmentation is large is largely based on uh, persona. So we have we have. Our, we have our product and it, it is a little bit technical, but we have a big engineering team uh, working to make it less so. And so we have like this technical audience who's like just our product is turnkey. They get it. They have the credentials to use it. Like they have the keys to an enterprise's cloud data, which which a person has to know what they're doing to have those keys. So that, so that person uh, is one persona. And then we have these other personas of these beneficiaries of getting that data. So you have marketers, marketers are and marketing tech, marketing operations. Those are a very important audience for us because they're the ones who benefit from like actually having accurate offline uh, conversion data. It's like, whoa, what if you actually had accurate conversion data in Google ads in a post cookie world? So that's a completely different messaging and a completely different benefit than the data engineer who's really tired of of managing like custom scripts and being like, oh man, I want to take a vacation. I don't want to have to worry about some some, uh, like API breaking on me or custom script breaking on me uh, when I want to hang out with my family. So the the benefits there really vary quite a lot. And then uh, and then basically any any business unit or business role that's impacted by data is going to have a slightly different reason why they would want that data. And it could be something like compliance, GDPR compliance and uh, security compliance, like all, all of that good stuff. So lar- largely is persona based. So, all right. So first of all, kudos and congrats on, on the results that you've gotten from LinkedIn ads. Now, now I saw, and I think one of the reasons where I was able to personally be able to become aware of the success you've had with LinkedIn ads is you were highlighted by LinkedIn as a case study for the success yeah. you had. How did that come about that LinkedIn kind of became aware of your results and reached out to you? Oh, man, I can't wait for all the hate mail to come in. But <laughs> as, a pra- as a practice, as a performance marketing manager, I intentionally maintain relationships with all the ads platforms. And I take their advice on good faith that they don't want me to fail. And I think that we've all experienced this where either you can't get a hold of an ads platform or they give you bad advice that makes you spend a bunch of money without driving yeah. results. So if you have very clear guardrails, what your goal is, like this is my cost per opportunity, you can take that over to one of these ads platforms. And in this case, it was LinkedIn. And I said, this is how much I'm willing to pay for per opportunity. Can you make it happen? And they they were able to offer me guidance and advice that matched other information that was validated by places like your podcast, LinkedIn threads, blog mm-hmm. articles, and we launched that as that platform. Now, as part of maintaining these relationships with the ads platform, from the beginning of the relationship, I say, let's make this relationship so good that you'll do mm-hmm. a case study on us. So day one meeting with our LinkedIn account manager, I said, this is my target. 
if we achieve these targets, let's make a case study out of it because it's going to be really good. And it was a, a, literally a you 10x did that from, from the beginning. Yeah, from day, yeah, it took about, it was about three. It, basically, we, va- we validated the strategy within a month or two. And then because it takes a while for the pipeline and the opportunities to roll in within four or five months, we literally had like for the first half of 2022 versus the second half of 2022, we had a 10x increase in pipeline attributed to LinkedIn. So it just was pretty, a very meteoric rise. And then we baked that case study into our relationship where we said, these are the results we need. We get those results. Let's just, it's literally a matter of a few bullet points. We did, we did it this way before we're doing it this way now and bada bing, bada boom. Here's a bunch more pipeline. Let's, let's Mm. talk about it. Let's write a little essay about it. Nice. So, so something you just mentioned there that I would like to take a step back and, and, and touch on the timeframe for, for results from the time you, you, you got started with this initiative to the time you started seeing results, you know, considering you were warming up cold traffic, trying to get people through this funnel that you described to us, how long did that take from kind of the beginning until you started seeing results until you started seeing this meteoric, meteoric rise as you described it? Yeah, so this, we didn't talk about the bottom of, of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel is what drives the opportunities. So we started to see bottom of funnel, which was like a, a demo type conversion on a warm remarketing audience after about six weeks. Uh, they started to roll in consistently through a period of iterations after about 10 to 12 to 12 weeks. So just the, the one hack here, and I think a lot of people miss this, is the, the audience management within the remarketing audience management within LinkedIn. You have to continuously update these. Yeah. You have this website traffic remarketing audience based on the LinkedIn pixel. However, within LinkedIn, you build remarketing audiences based on things like single image engagement, single image paid click. Uh, I know you're super familiar with this. Uh, And uh, video views, 75% video view, 97% video view, all of that. But you have to continuously update those remarketing audiences. There isn't just like a single image remarketing audience. Every time you do a new campaign, LinkedIn structure, campaign group, campaign ads. So it's a little different than the other ad platforms. So at the campaign level, that middle level, where I'm launching new campaigns, like every other day, just testing, iterating. Uh, those campaigns have to be added to your LinkedIn-based right. remarketing audiences regularly. So, I mean, I've, I'll, it sounds like you're very familiar with this, uh, but that was kind of a game changer for me is realizing that I have to continuously update these remarketing audiences to ensure that, yeah, I launched this campaign. Sir, we had like a 1,000 or 2,000 people reach. It was turned off. That traffic is still remarketing traffic and still needs to be picked up by those campaigns. So it's just like a remarketing audience that I think a lot of people leave on the table. And I have like an Asana task reminder to be updating these every month. Uh, when As you update these remarketing audiences, though, it does hurt performance as the audience is like relearning and rebuilding, which is a little bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so so that's how you have that remarketing audience. With And we came into this already having run LinkedIn ads. So these audiences already existed. So so to bring it all back to this timeline, six weeks until we started to see bottom of funnel conversions. And this is uh, based on already having this these legacy audiences that existed, legacy website traffic audiences, but then building on this new funnel, the top of funnel, middle of funnel, and then a true like bottom of funnel uh, audience with like a, a demo objective, a meeting objective. Yeah. I think that's a great 
tip and reminder about rebuilding those retargeting audiences that I think a lot of people miss. So uh, if you're listening and running LinkedIn ads, there's a good okay. reminder for you from Nate. Yeah, I um, hope that wasn't too simple for people. It seemed like, yeah, maybe a lot. Listen, of sometimes simple is, is really important, and people still miss the simple things. Yeah, um, and, and it's the easy wins. Um, you, you mentioned we were speaking earlier about um, you're starting to use AI in your marketing. Um, I know a yeah. lot of people are talking about AI and ChatGPT and all these tools that have been really coming out faster than we can uh, keep up with lately. Um, and a lot of people are excited, and a lot of people are afraid, and there's a whole range of emotions. How are you using AI right now to help your marketing? Uh a whole range of emotions is a good way to put it. Uh, some of my best performing ads have now been written in collaboration with ChatGPT 3.5 and 4. I've had a better experience with ChatGPT 3.5. Uh, I'm trying to follow like these AI influencers and uh, just really understand like the big thing with AI is giving it the right prompts. And mm -hmm. uh, so far in my experience, it, it now has functionality to scan the internet, which is very scary, but can also be informative. But so far, um, what will happen is I'll have a long conversation with ChatGPT where I say, hey, here's the ad I want. Here's the audience I want. Will you write some copy for me? And it writes an essay. And I have to say, well, wait a second, shorten this up so it's two sentences long or whatever the character limit is with LinkedIn ads, the headline limit. Mm -hmm. You have to tell it things like, feel free to use emojis. Don't use emojis. Uh, speak to speak write this as if you have an mba degree write it as if uh you have a specific job role uh write it in a casual voice write it in a formal voice and as you develop those prompts uh the ad copy starts to get pretty good so with linkedin ads just the other really like basic thing most people know is you typically will run a minimum of five ads per campaign so I'm doing very simple AI testing where I'm just like, hey, we'll have a couple versions with ChatGPT written copy, a couple versions with the uh, other copy, and just see which version the algorithm picks up. And some of our like long running, like bread and butter, low cost lead generation campaigns have been written by ChatGPT. Wow. And that's extremely intimidating. I mean, there's there's copywriters and and all these people. There's people who's uh Jobs could literally be impacted by this. I like to think of this as like, I want to start the way I'm thinking about it is treating chat GPT as additional, as an additional member of our marketing team. So what resources is chat GPT contributing? What is it putting out? What's the quality? How do we measure that? And uh, it just gives me back a little bit more control because, <laughs> because now as a, as an agent working with chat GPT, uh, we're collaborating and I'm measuring uh, the impact of this new technology. And I, I think it really is uh, changing a, a lot of things. I mean, and not to mention the image generation aspects as well, which I haven't really uh, experimented right. with. But right. yeah, it's, it's a new world we're in for us marketers. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, your upcoming LinkedIn post about uh, ChatGPT prompts for LinkedIn ads. <laughs> I don't know if you actually write that yet, but it, it's time to write it because I'm looking forward to, to reading your prompts. Oh, I'm all over it. I'll do it. <laughs> nice. Now, now the pressure's on. Um, in in terms of the, the the rest of the paid ads that you're doing, obviously you have you're killing it with LinkedIn ads. Are there any other platforms that you've been heavy on that you've been seeing success with? Yeah. So just the the classic situation with Google Search. It's just a incredibly high intent. Uh, and uh, if people are searching for the problem we solve or the product we offer, uh, tends to be a slam dunk. But it is extremely expensive. So uh, we're 
uh, Google ads, of course, is a big part of our, our paid strategy. Uh, Reddit's very fascinating as well. Uh, because we have communities directly related to our product. Uh, again, this is a situation where I meet with the Reddit team regularly just to maintain that relationship and see if there's any new tips or like best practices. And they're right. they actually provide very good customer service and support uh-huh. uh, working with You've them. You've got the case study coming soon from Reddit as well, right? <laughs> yeah, all over it. But yeah, and uh, and then Census actually offers Reddit offline conversions. So Reddit, of course, has a pixel for tracking. But if they're but the redditors are very tech savvy, they're probably using a Brave browser blocking attribution tools. So offline conversions tend to be more important on Reddit. You can manually upload those, I believe, via CSV, uh, or you can use a service like Census to send offline uh, conversions over to Reddit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the Reddit stuff, like I. I Love re- running uh, Reddit ads because I'm a Redditor. I, I have quite a lot of karma thanks to stuff unrelated to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just a very interesting uh, community there. It's very like heavily moderated, heavily. Uh, there's a lot of quality control. And I think because of that quality control, you know you're going to get good information on Reddit. And then the key is to try and figure out how to get your ads to fit alongside that good information. I think what's really frustrating about Reddit is that you talk maybe you target based on communities, but the ad can serve anywhere on Reddit alongside any other content to members of that community. Mm-hmm. So I'm a member of the Reddit community, illegally small cats, which is a cute cat community. If you target me an ad as being a part of that cat community, um, I might see the ad when I'm over on another subreddit relating sure. to like some political topic or something controversial, and then your ad content shows alongside that, but uh, we haven't had any issues there yet. And uh, I experimented with leaving comments on and it's great because uh, we get negative comments and we comment back and we say, Hey, the, like, thanks for the comment. Uh, what are you talking about? And the people check themselves. They say, Oh, I didn't know there was a real person behind this ad. And they apologize immediately. It's, it's pretty funny. Wow. So Reddit's an interesting channel too. I mean, to be totally honest, I have never run ads on Reddit before. Um, are you primarily using it for, for top of funnel just to kind of gain more quality traffic coming through the retarget or, or in what way? Yeah. So yeah, top, top of funnel, but then the, the Redditors are very, like a lot of people, do you use Reddit at all, Aaron? Barely. Okay. So there's, there's very highly curated content. So a lot of people go there to learn, like the information is community validated. So everything on Reddit has been up, upvoted to to validate whether or not the information is good information. So Redditors tend to be like interested in learning. So we've actually had pretty, we've run like these educational webinars, let's say on some technical feature of our product. And we've gotten like 20 or $30 leads from major enterprise companies. And it's like extremely fascinating. So these people, like all these random people on Reddit, like it's it's just a slice of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it's kind of this classic things like social media and online content is very balkanized where people just, it's where are people gonna be? Are, are they gonna be on Bing? Are they gonna be on Google? Are they gonna be on Facebook? Are they gonna be on Instagram? Are they gonna be on LinkedIn? Are they gonna be on Reddit or some other channel? So there's really a case to be made for being in as many places as possible, but then it becomes a question of measurement and justifying the cost of the investment in, in that channel. So really I, like very similar to the LinkedIn strategy where 
you you target one way and maybe it's a traffic ad that's probably the the main way to do it but then you validate that traffic audience with a middle of funnel conversion uh whether it's a gated content a trial or an on-demand asset or whatever it is but because you're validating the audience middle of funnel you know that your audience is also living top of funnel as well and being made more aware of your solution and when you talk about validating the middle of the funnel you're talking about by by specifically segmenting a, a middle of the funnel campaign that's only retargeting the traffic that came from reddit is that correct uh yeah yeah totally and it's like just actually look at like we do things like requiring a work email so we know that the person who signed up is is a real person in a in a job role or at a company that we want to target Okay. Awesome. Um, Nate, what's one thing that you're struggling with in your job right now as a marketer? Okay. I mean, this it's like beating a dead horse, but uh, trying to come to terms with uh, attribution or a lack of attribution and saying, Hey, that's just a part of being a marketer. Like we're going to be, we're going to accept that a certain percentage of our budget is dark funnel and that eventually it gets back to us because we if we measure everything then that like if we have like true perfect attribution we might not spend money where people are like famously like you have these b2b ads on buses and billboards or at an airport and you're never going to get attribution on that ad but they just had an it conference and 50 people in your ICP or a hundred people in your ICP are now aware of your brand. So I think that as a performance marketer, thinking about uh, the dark funnel and how I want to justify ad spend there and bring it back to the business's bottom line, I think is a really interesting and yeah. fun problem to solve. That's a, that's a good one. Um, I assume someplace in your funnel, you're, you're asking people for self-attribution, asking where, where they found you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Part of our our uh, uh, sales calls as well. But even self attribution is you you never really know because there's so many touch points. It could be a display ad, could be some physical thing like seeing us at a conference, and the person mm -hmm. might say they saw a Facebook ad. So you <laughs> self attribution is limited as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's like coming to terms with uh, the limited nature of attribution. Hundred percent. Okay. Awesome. Um, Nate, let's jump into our lightning round. We're going to have four quick questions and four quick answers. All right. Um, what book would you recommend to our listeners? Could be a fiction or a business book. What do you got for us? I have been waiting for this question. It's my favorite question of your podcast. All right. Uh, Michael Singer's Untethered Soul. So it's a book about the voice in your head. I don't know about other people, but I have like a constant narration in my head. And this is one of the first books I read that actually talks about that and like how to deal with that. So totally fascinating. It's called Untethered Soul. It's not fringe. It's a New York Times bestseller. Uh -huh. uh, definitely worth a read or a listen. Okay, fantastic. Um, what's your favorite productivity or marketing tool right now? Oh, man, I... I Oh, that's a, that's such a tough one. I got to say our, our team, our marketing team got all in on Asana and we're all using Asana as a team. We're using it to track our KRs uh, and basically give visibility to everything that the marketing team is doing. It's been, it's been awesome having us all work together and have that visibility as a team. Excellent. Um, who's your favorite marketer or business leader that you're learning from these days? Oh man, I'd say, I would say you, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that, but that can't possibly uh, be. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're, I mean, literally podcasts like yours, I'm, I'm pulling information from so many different places that when you have a podcast like yours, that's 
so well curated that I can trust the the people who are on it to talk about their real business experiences. Uh, it's super helpful. So uh, I'm going to say you, I read a ton of business books. I still read about Ogilvy on advertising, like all of that stuff. There's like a lot of basics to do. And uh, yeah, in a world of, of a lot of information, it's awesome. There's people like you out there curating very high quality B2B SaaS content. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're, you're the first person after 30 something episodes who's, who said that. And I feel like it's going to be even longer until we get that again. <laughs> um, and, and, and finally, last question, where can our listeners go to learn more about you? So I'm over on LinkedIn, uh, Nathan Corliss. There's about five of us in the U.S. You can find me based on my picture. Uh, I'm the one who works for Census. Census is, is at uh, getcensus.com. Uh, uh, I also have Mr. Nathan Corliss on Twitter. Uh, but primarily LinkedIn, uh, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm up to be connected with as many interesting and informative people as possible. Okay, fantastic. Nate, thank you so much. Um, I've learned a lot. I know everyone else has learned a lot. Uh, you really shared a bunch of uh, really deep insider tips. I know they might seem simple to you, but uh, yeah. I think I think that that uh, simple classic LinkedIn funnel you described is anything but uh, simple and classic. I think there's a lot of things people are going to learn from it, and I uh, appreciate you sharing. Well, it's it's an honor to be here, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me. The SaaS Marketing Superstars podcast is brought to you by Xamo Digital Marketing. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks.